All right, so y- you know what? I think you're right, Joe, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually uh, do a little research. It seems like it's more of a Milwaukee thing than a Wisconsin thing. Milwaukee has the highest concentration of frozen custard shops well, in the world. <laughs> yeah, we have the highest concentration of people. No, I know, but I, there was no there, custard was not a thing in northwestern Wisconsin. It's because you guys didn't have refrigeration. Duff, <laughs> Duff, you 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 grew up closer to me than I grew up to Joe. Custard a thing? It's in the wrong side I, of the river. We didn't have culvers, culvers, but I was aware of the concept of custard. Okay. <laughs> like I didn't have it a ton, but if someone said custard, I wouldn't be like, what, what, what's that? I thought they were talking about someone's last stand. <laughs> <laughs> they should have a frozen custard place called Frozen Custard's Last Stand. That's it, and it should be right on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois. <laughs> That's a great. Every listeners in Kenosha, there you go. <laughs> like a bridge overpass. Yeah, like those oasis. Custard's last stand. Uh, <laughs> let's start the stupid show now. There's your bonus Patreon custard content. Welcome back to a free podcast. We are continuing our season one theme of Fail Sons. Today we're talking about two movies. It's a BOGO. It's Double a two for one feature. deal. Double feature. It's a, you should be listening to this in the drive-in. That's right. Uh, At the uh, midnight double feature <laughs> picture show. I thought you were going to start singing that Eric Clapton song. After, After midnight. midnight. <laughs> we didn't sing that too, but I was thinking of uh, the Rocky Horror song. Uh, uh, a friend of the show, Meeks' favorite artist, Eric Clapton. Yep. Yeah. Only throw your kid out the window after midnight. <laughs> um, he wasn't thrown. Lock the window. <laughs> oh, your son's going to fall right out. He wasn't thrown. He was just not watched. I and- know. <laughs> true. After midnight, you don't watch your kid. Um, so bo- both these movies released in 1995, Billy Madison and Tommy Boy. Um, Literally about six, seven weeks apart. Less yeah. than that, I think. But then I would have had to do research. Uh, I'm and just for introductions, I'm your host Rob, and joined as always my good friends Joe and Duff. Stop looking at me, Swan. <laughs> hello, hello. Shampoo is better. Yeah. Well, just get the two in one. Uh, I never understood why you wouldn't get the two in one. Just never made. I sense don't believe to me. it. There's no like, way that it it, I, it can't work. I don't believe that it works. No, that's generally it's never. It doesn't actually work. I have fantastic hair, and I've always done two mm. for one. Mm. So, do you just get the cheap, like the cheapest suave thing at the bottom shelf of the grocery store? Uh, I usually get like the old spice two for one nonsense. Uh, yeah. Do you do you smell like fruit afterward? I usually hate those scents. No, do you get not fruit? The, you probably get the three for one where it's body wash as well. Doesn't that kind of show the lie in in like body? Like cleaning, yes, it's probably just cleaning. all this. It's just soap. Ways. It's yeah, just soap. <laughs> soap. You're put shampoo is soap for your hair, body wash yeah. is soap for your body. It's the same thing. I'm sure you could just take a bottle, a, bo- a bar of soap, and just rub it on your hair, and it would probably be fine. <laughs> and it probably would be fine. Sim- similarly, it doesn't make a difference if it's like dishwasher soap, uh, yes, la- yes. La- laundry soap. It's all mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, That's just what dial. is shampoo designed to do? Get grease out of your hair, right? Yep. So does yep. dial what soap. Is, so does uh. Yep. So does dial soap. When when all those animals get covered in oil, what do they use? Dawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So if it's good enough for a, a duck's feathers, it's good enough for my hair. <laughs> That's why I I have a big gallon of Tide in the shower. Just I p- do my laundry while I'm showering. <laughs> Conserve like, water, two for one. Yeah, well, but this is how we can stave off the water wars during my climate ex- change is we got to start turning our showers into dishwashers and washing machines. All the same. Yep, there we go. Wash your dishes while you shower. Yep. Uh, okay, we should talk about the movie. Uh, we kind of are. <laughs> <laughs> Billy this Madison. Is, this is exactly how they wrote the script for Tommy Boy. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's true. So Billy Madison, let's start with Billy Madison. It came out a little earlier in 95. I think it was in February and then uh, late March was Tommy Boy, if I remember correctly. That's when you uh, put your blockbusters out. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. Is, this was the dumping ground era when mm-hmm. basically nothing came out between January and Memorial Day. And it was just studios would just dump everything that they didn't, they either didn't understand or had no faith in so i think i think with uh billy madison with adam sandler's billy madison uh we definitely have a is that more... like john carpenter's halloween <laughs> yes just like <laughs> it. uh we definitely have a um this is this is definitely this is a fail son i mean this is like designed fail son uh rich family rich dad he's he does nothing Perpe- i mean he's like he's perpetually 14 years old he's yeah and he's like 27 like when we like when we meet him (laughs) when we meet our hero of the movie (laughs) he's hammered in the morning at a pool and he realizes that his nudie magazines are showing up yeah and then and then the segment doesn't age well (laughs) (laughs) well yeah the the joke magazines are problematic yeah the joke magazines but then he sees a penguin and like <laughs> runs in and ruins his like dad's business meeting. Um, why? Why does he have his dad's? Why does he have a business dinner at his house when that boy lives there? I don't know. And he wants his son to be there, which is also weird. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of weird decisions from the dad, which I mean, usually fail sons come from some degree of incompetence. So that would make sense. I was gonna save this for later. The whole movie hinges on his father's incompetence, not his. Because let's just, I mean, we might as well go all the way through it. So he, he, the whole movie ends with Billy Madison saving the day. He is able to take over his dad's company and immediately just like, I'm just going to let Carl run it because I'm a moron. Yep. If his dad, his dad could have just given it to Carl in the first place. Well, it's funny you say it because the, the bad guy in this movie, Bradley Whitford, who by the way is very good in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's the excellent. best part of the movie. Um, <laughs> He's also correct most of the time. Yes, he's his dad is the dumbest person in this movie. He's the the least aware, and and actually that's pretty realistic because the a key ingredient to a fail son that, uh, well, I shouldn't say key yeah. ingredient, but in many cases the parents are. He's not really in denial, but he he well, easily I- falls prey to his impulses to indulge his son. Yeah, and and we get that, like we you know we sort of learn. Um, that the only reason that Billy Madison graduated originally was he finds out his dad just paid off the school to pass him grade after grade. Yeah, uh, and if there are any parents of rich children who uh, need them to get a high school diploma and want to bribe teachers, uh, <laughs> What's I your know starting a guy. Rate? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. uh, get in touch. What's our email again? Also, imagine that Like, we also find out that he bribed him to win like a spelling bee in like, second grade. <laughs> <laughs> and he still thinks rock is spelled R-O-K. Uh, the C is silent. 
Um, That's kind of a funny joke. It is. It is. But also, uh, Eric, the Bradley Whitford character, the, the the villain in this movie. What a great name for a character like that, Eric. Yeah, I would agree. I also like how he like works in like a basement with rats or whatever. So he, he's a, he looks like a Bond villain. Yes. So is the I don't think you guys have seen that movie, but is the rat thing a a homage to Tango and Cash? Because there's a bit in Tango and Cash where Jack Palance has this rat maze in his office. Huh. And I thought it was just like a villain thing. Is that an homage? Is like is that rat thing in Tango and Cash from Tango and Cash? Or is that like, I thought it was like a Bond villain thing. Uh, it could be just a general Bond villain thing. But it reminded me of Jack Palance having this rat maze in Tango and Cash. And I, if anyone out there has some Tango and Cash knowledge, drop it on us. They're, they're, Eric, uh, my favorite thing he says, which is the most, like, he's so correct. At the beginning when, you know, the dad's like, I think Billy's going to take over. And Eric points out, well, your son's a moron. And also he <laughs> points out correctly, like, what about the employees that work here? You can't have, like, people lose their jobs because you gave, like, your moron son the job. And I was like, Eric, you nailed it. Yeah, Eric is the uh, the Walter Sobchak classic. Uh, you're not wrong. You're just an yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so another thing, I uh, we have a couple other fail son attributes I have written down here, and feel free to chime in. Uh, one for Billy is he keeps failing and getting second chances. We talk about this, right? You, you're allowed to fail with this privilege. Um, we find out, you know, he originally failed school multiple times, and his dad just paid him paid off the school. He gets another chance to do it in 24 weeks. In second grade, he runs out and stops going to school. Um, and the only reason he goes back to school is because, and we'll get to this on this movie, uh, I have, it's my feelings on this movie have changed to some extent, but it's it's actually complicated. Uh, the maid. Oh my God. The maid. The only reason he goes back to school in second grade is because she was like, do you want to stay home and help me shave my armpits? Now, in defense of Billy, that, that's not... <laughs> That's not good teaching, what she does there to humiliate him in front of those kids. No. That's not nice. No. But also, like, she wasn't humiliating a child. She was humiliating a 27-year-old who was going back to school at two-week intervals. What kind of example is that setting for the other children, though, for how you deal with conflict? That's fair. But she wasn't wrong. (laughs) But you're right. You're right. You're right, Joe. She she takes the Eric approach. Um, He also stops going to school because of an untrue rumor. Uh, so that's another time that then um, uh, Veronica Vaughn gets him back into it. And then finally, when it's already failed out, he gets this final competition attempt, which I don't even like. I'm not even sure if he would have won it if it wasn't for <laughs> the spectacular meltdown for at the, the end. For the, <laughs> the wrestling interlude and then a shooting. <laughs> so, other things I would say. Well, that it, make- does, it does seem to go back. Let's say, you know, let's say that uh, the revolting blob and the shooter don't show up. Yeah. Er- Eric failed, too, so they both would not have gotten any points, and Billy was ahead by one, correct? Okay, yeah. So, in in essence, none of that was needed. <laughs> <laughs> um, other things I would say, uh, he does have a party after every small accomplishment. That's a very I, fail son thing. I, yep, I would, and it's fun. It's good. It, <laughs> <laughs> Those parties look really fun. Can you imagine every two weeks, like well, I'm having another party because I graduated third grade. Well, it's kind of going back to Gladiator. It's kind of like when, uh, whatever 
uh, whatever his name is, Commodus, Joaquin Commodus. Take, Com- Commodus takes over and instantly he's like, we're going to have 150 days of games. <laughs> yep, yep. It's very similar. Uh, we also have uh, another fail son thing. Um, we kind of he's a pervert. He's yeah. We have a we have this weird sexual assault like vibe at sometimes in it. When th- there's there's one which isn't really, but there's a part on the bus. This is like how movies in the a, a post Me Too era like are weird. When like the guy's like, I dare you to touch your boob, and he's like, No, that's assault. And I'm like, Yeah, Billy, you're right. And then he's like, But I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> like, oh no. And, and the I actually put this in my notes because the full quote is that's assault brother yeah <laughs> yes. a little hulk hogan there he does um and then there's a moment that also is very very funny when i remember it but now as i watch it it makes me really uncomfortable is when that girl in that class in that science class he's like no i won't make out with you and i just i feel really bad for her now well what do you bet that originally when they wrote the script that it was going to be much more lewd but then they're like no we got to keep it pg-13 and there's going to be an actual like 14 year old girl and that's probably going to be traumatic it's also the right move to make this movie pg-13 i would argue well what do you mean from like from i mean there i I think you're right but i think there's from a box office perspective it is totally the right call yeah But but also i mean this was adam sandler's core audience at this time yeah was... it was us it was us right i mean i was i was 12 when this came out or 11 like has has adam sandler made new fans <laughs> i don't know hotel transylvania movies are a big hit that's true but i don't know if that's, that's... a diff that's a different animal though that's yeah I, I i want my last comment my last thing here on fails an attribute um he likes ario speedwagon <laughs> and the yeah. stroke by <laughs> billy squire <laughs> so uh, we definitely, we definitely have like Billy Madison is. Okay, is... first I want to, I want to say even ten, you know, they say ten years ago. So wouldn't Billy Madison have thought Ario Speedwagon sucked in the mid '80s? Doesn't it seem like they were, they'd be too soft for them? He, he, he graduated met... in '82 though. He like graduated uh, they, in high school from '82. Yeah, so but I think... uh, Ario Speedwagon was not like a cool band ever. He he hasn't met anyone new since he was in high school. Like yeah. he's been just floating about drinking daiquiris and hanging out with his two high school friends since then. Like Ario Speedwagon eighty two wasn't cool is what you're saying. Yeah, like Billy Madison even when Ario Speedwagon was at the height of their popularity, like I think but, he would have thought they But he, he didn't need to but that's the point is he didn't need to have genuine cool taste for people to like him back then. I he suppose. just bought all of his friends. Yeah. I will say this. I don't uh, rewatching this movie, two things stood out for me. Um one uh, now rewatching it as an adult, even though I like I know and quoted the lines all the time from Adam Sandler in this movie. To me, Adam Sandler is the least funny thing in this movie. But what I will say yeah. is, I feel like this movie is deeply funny. Like it's funny in like a deeply subversive way. Like the, <laughs> my favorite things on this movie are like how real weird the movie is i mean literally the movie has a banana slip that it sets up an hour beforehand and like <laughs> i love that it did that like it has a legit banana peel slip yeah it has uh all right let's let's get into it uh overall i'm not a fan of this movie uh in fact i i think i would use the word hate i do not like this movie yeah it's no water boy all those movies are stupid <laughs> So first, let me finish before you uh, get your claws out and uh, 
jumping on me. I never saw this in the theater. I saw it, I mean, through cable. This might have only been like the second time I've seen it from beginning to end. Yeah, you you can't, you, you have to have seen it for the first time when you were a but, teen or But I still, I still saw it like in, like on cable in the mid nineties. Like okay. These, yeah. Yeah. That works. And I've just, I've never liked Adam Sandler. I've never thought he was funny. Yeah. yeah I mean, fine. he's, he's like I said, he's the, my least favorite thing, but like he, just, not, o- not only is he not funny to me, like he is aggressively awful. Like it, the first five, 10 minutes. They're bad. They're it, real bad yeah. for him. And just every Adam Sandler in general, uh, he remind he's just, he makes generally mean-spirited movies and then he makes just movies where he wants to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. I respect him as a businessman. I mean, he's got to be a billionaire by now. Just making terrible movies in Hawaii. <laughs> just grown-ups too or whatever. Yeah. I I will say like the things I enjoy like I said are not that but like I mean everything with the maid everything Steve, Steve Buscemi Steve Buscemi Chris Farley arguably Chris Farley steals the entire movie he's so funny yeah. I, um I think uh the guy who plays Carl is great Blair, Bradley yep. Whitford is great Steve Buscemi is great yep uh Miss Lippy man I love <laughs> Miss Lippy just putting that glue all over her face I I'm all in on that um but. And, and like, there's a musical interlude in this movie. Like, it's a really weird movie, uh, in some ways. Like, for how dumb this movie is, like, there's it's really weird. It I mean, does. the whole ending is strange with the business ethics pulling a gun moment. <laughs> the principle is funny too. Although, yeah. there, there's gay panic aspects of it that are don't age well. But like, he's funny still. He's funny looking. Um. It's, I, I, it just even in the end when he's kind of gone through a character arc, the whole thing, and this is true of Adam Sandler in general. It's just it's mean spirited to me, and it doesn't feel. I don't know. It, that that's about all I can say. And that's I mean, a, that's a common thing I saw in reviews for this was mean spirited. I mean, he doesn't like Billy Madison doesn't really learn. I mean, his turning face woman is peeing his pants. I mean, he does. <laughs> that's also kind of funny. He does learn. Fr- he learns from Veronica that maybe he wasn't as nice to people when he was in. The yeah, school. <laughs> yeah. She literally says that to him. Yeah. Um, I I do have a I do have a story when rewatch this. I have a story that uh, was similar happened to me. The moment where he has to write in cursive and she has him write like a word of a Z in it uh, on the board. Yeah. So when I um after undergrad. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like go to grad school, and I'm gonna go take, you know, I gotta take a GRE for that. So I like studied for it, and then I went in and took GRE, and I sat down, and like, I don't, I mean, I haven't written cursive in forever. I can write my name and like nothing else in cursive. And I sit down, and it has like this, this, uh, like disclaimer where you have to take this paragraph, the first page of the GRE, you have to take this paragraph that just sort of talks how you're not going to cheat. And it ha- it says, write, do not print <laughs> this paragraph. And I sat down and I was like, I don't know how to write this in cursive. Like just before I'm about to take this big exam, I realized I have no idea how to write that in cursive, which in my head, and I don't know if this is correct, writing not print means I have to write in cursive. Is that what that means? I mean, you were sitting at like a desk, weren't you? How else would yeah. you have written it? You couldn't. I know. So I was like, oh, I guess this had to do this in cursive. And I had no idea how to write in cursive. So I just, like, got full of anxiety and just, like, made squiggles (laughs) 
similar to the way he made those Cs. Well, I wrote this entire first paragraph before I then like dived into the exam, which I was already wrecked, and there was no way I was going to do well. I know, in it at I that, know point. that there's a bunch of calligraphy nerds out there who are mad that we no longer write cursive, but I'm fine with it going away. Useless. Yeah. It's dumb. Should we? Uh, <clears throat> oh, what one? I have two fun facts on Billy Mass before we, we switch over to, to Tommy Boy. Uh, I don't know if this is true. I read this on the internet. Apparently, it's Robert De Niro's favorite film. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, it actually does. Uh, and also, did you guys recognize Billy Madison's mansion? Yes, I, I did see is, it in the movie. Is it Robert Evans' oh, house? It's Professor X's mansion. Oh, oh it yeah. does look familiar now that you mention okay. it. Okay. So, I'd have a couple things to add. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, I, first, a fun fact, and then a question for you guys. First, fun fact. One thing I do appreciate about SNL movies is that in the in the '90s, is they seemed much more willing to hire female directors than Hollywood at large. That's actually true, and that was yeah. I was shocked to see that about this movie. I didn't know that until yeah, Tamara Davis, and that kind of might explain some of the interesting style of the film. Is she's her background is is in music videos, which shines through. I think we can agree. And she's made like a lot of films that were kind of cult hits later on, like Half Baked, CB4, mm-hmm. and she's gone on to have a, a great uh, television directing career, uh, and also uh, made some notable music videos. Did you guys look at the her credits in that? I knew she was music video director, but I didn't know which ones. Uh, she's made many, but I'm just going to point out one that's uh, extremely of that era. A few years later. Mbop by Hanson. She made oh, music wow. Okay. So that would have been about two years later, three yep. years maybe. And she also did like Bust a Move for Young MC. She did some stuff for uh, Sonic nice. Youth. Okay. Uh, and the Beastie Boys. And she's married to, yes. I think separated from, but married to Mike D from the Beastie Boys. And sp- speaking of other marriages from this movie, uh, Veronica Vaughn is married to Pete Sampras. I did see that through research. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of that. wild. Andre <laughs> Agassi's so mad. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and then let's go with. Um, I, I want to rank the teachers from this movie. Okay, okay. Now we don't find out all of their names, and and they kind of like the movie starts with it going grade by grade, but then quickly it's just like yeah, oh, let's get this. We, we skip a, it's, <laughs> We don't get a lot of junior high. No, high school. So we, we so I'll just I listed five of them. So we start with Miss Lippy. Yeah, Miss Lippy <laughs> so for I life. Think that's gonna be Rob's pick. <laughs> and then we have uh, the older lady, second grade, that older lady who does the spelling bee, who's also in Tommy Boy. It's another connection to Tommy Boy outside of Chris Farley. Oh okay. yeah. Then She's we have the Mi- woman in Tommy Boy who's angry about the horse coming to town, <laughs> <laughs> shaking their. Th- <laughs> oh, turn of tricks. And then yeah. we have th- third grade Miss Vaughn. Okay, and then we have uh, during third grade, and th- this I think is the most unrealistic part of the movie. We have Principal Anderson as a substitute, but <laughs> yep. anyone who works in education would know there's no way a principal would ever sub for a teacher. <laughs> They'd make someone else do it. Yeah, <laughs> but and then we skip way ahead into high school, and we have Robert Smigel playing the chemistry teacher. That's right. Yeah, chlorophyll, more like borophyll. Yep. Uh, ra- uh, who who's your number one? Oh, obviously, I'm Miss Lippy, just with putting pace on her face. 
Uh, I honestly, I kind of like that Veronica Vaughn. Uh, uh, she is one fine piece. <laughs> I like that she deliberately sets him up to be humiliated. I, re- I respect the spite there. So I'm going yeah. with her. Joe, what do you got? You're the you're the expert. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, I like Robert Smigel, the chemistry teacher, because he reminds uh, me of me the most. <laughs> Just fully and absolutely 100 percent committed to a bit, and will not let it go regardless of of the reaction of the crowd. No laughter, even better. Doesn't read the room. <laughs> and uh, I will say that. Other just little things that I had written down. Um, you guys covered a lot of it already, like about the harassment thing. But I, I think Chris Farley oh, man. as the bus driver is one of the funniest things. I would argue it's Chris Farley at his absolute funniest. Well, in terms of like various cameos that he did in movies, it's probably his funniest one. Mm-hmm. And that scene when he gets really mad and screams the kids on the bus and then you just the camera just lingers on him for about 10 seconds and his face just turns like purple <laughs> yeah i've so probably odd. seen this i mean i watched this all the time when i was in um high school middle school and high school and it's one thing to this day just makes me laugh hysterically uh, he's so good this whole like good great wonderful <laughs> <laughs> and, and also just him telling that story about my veronica von like well i have a friend but you could imagine if I had, like, he just keeps changing, but not going off, like, but it's pretty cool to think about, right? Yeah. Me and a guy I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the final thing is that I think that a question is posed in this film, and Rob is probably the only person on the planet that I know that would get equally worked up about it, and that's when Billy's trying to make friends, and he hears the kids say that Mortal Kombat for Sega Genesis is the best video game ever. And mm-hmm. then Billy chimes in that actually he thinks Donkey Kong is the best. The other kid just goes, Donkey Kong sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Rob, can you settle it? Which of those two games is better? Uh, I would say Mortal Kombat's better. Like, I feel like any kid, like, when you play Mortal Kombat, it was like, wow. Like, everything about Mortal Kombat just blows your mind. We're like, Donkey Kong, like, yeah, I've played Mario. Getting Mortal Kombat is like kind of like getting your first CD with the parental advisory lyrics. Uh, kind of. Morning on it. Yeah, like, like I, everyone had like either had it or they had a friend that had it and they'd come over and play it and everyone would try to like there's only one friend that could do the finishing move so like if you <laughs> won you'd hand it to that friend like quick quick to the finishing move I don't know how to do it. Yeah, my friend had it on Super Nintendo and so I would go play at his house. Donkey yeah. Kong did provide my favorite documentary of all time, The King of Kong though. So there's yes. it did it that. did introduce us to one of filmdom and history's greatest villains. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Billy true. Mitchell. Yes, check out that movie if you have not seen. Uh, wasn't Billy Mitchell? Wasn't his title just revoked because it yes. was it was shown that he rigged a machine or it wasn't arcade level or something? He, it was proven that he used an emulator. Yeah. Um. So should we jump into Tommy Boy, guys? Uh, the only other thing I want to say is that uh, I'm always glad to see uh, Darren McGavern, the old man from Christmas Story. Yes. <laughs> is he yeah. the guy in the porch? No, he's the. Billy he's Madison's dad. dad. Oh, his he's dad. Yeah, yeah, dad. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That guy in the porch show, that's another bit that cracks me up in that movie. Like, it's all the side stuff in that movie that Don't makes put me it laugh. out with <laughs> your boot. <laughs> uh, all right, Tommy Boy, let's go into something with a little more empathy, I would argue. Oh, I love this movie. Uh, quite a bit. Um, month and a half later, with Madison's own Chris Farley in it. Um, 
So let's let's uh, let's dive into Tommy Boy as a uh, as a fail son. A couple things right off the beginning. He goes to a private school. One uh, near to you, Joe. Yes, Marquette. That's where else where of course Chris Farley went. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, let's see what else on there. He's he's a tougher one. He's definitely different from other fail sons that well, we have. Because as we saw with Billy. Billy is not dumb. He's just lazy. Whereas Tommy is the opposite. And that Tommy. Tr- Billy's dumb too. What are you talking about? Well, <sighs> he doesn't know how to spell rock. <laughs> I think, <laughs> but I think, I think most of Billy's dumbness is just because number one, he didn't try hard. And then his dad just paid everyone off. And he whereas- didn't graduate from first grade Duff. Yeah. T- He's t- way dumber than Tommy. Yeah, they're both really dumb. I think the difference is like Tommy's is is, is like is like a nice guy, like a likable nice guy to everyone. Yeah, I, I actually have. I mean, I actually think Tommy Boy. This is this might be a take, guys, but I feel like part of this might be more about bad dad than anything else. I think his dad dying is the best thing to happen to old Tommy. Oh, isn't that kind of mm. isn't that kind of true of fail sons in general? That the bad dad comes first. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a bad dad to me. Dude, do you have the moment when like his son comes home from college and he's like, "Check out my my girl and her bikini," <laughs> like and like they're like, she's, like the that whole scene is super uncomfortable to me. Yeah, his son and is also, like 20, 25 or twenty six. Still weird. Still weird and gross. Also, he's a bit of an enabler, which yep. is a problem. Sure. Yeah, I, guess, I think but... I think like Tommy doesn't doesn't turn it around if his dad at least alive. at least Billy's dad at one point realizes his kid's a loser. <laughs> yeah, I like I yeah like I t- like to me like it's just it's just Tommy's dad is like now okay this is this one hits close home for me uh, both as a parent and as a child these are both only children. Both Billy and Tommy, correct, uh, which is part of that spoilingness that they come from, uh, and 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 similar to Eric and Billy Madison, I find early on with Richard, I and I think part of it is looking through these movies through the fail son lens, like you get why Richard is so angry. Because he does all this work, and right away it's like Tommy gets the office, and then they're like, "Remember, we're going home early today." <laughs> yeah, Richard's that's a, that's another thing to add to the column about uh, Big Tom is he's kind of a jerk. I mean, not a jerk, but just like this is a classic like jocks versus nerd scenario, in that you have uh, Richard, you know, just goes off, looks like an accountant, looks like an accountant, goes off and does all his work, and then. You know, Big Tom is the the guy who was on the football team and just basically does it. He, he's that guy who does everything. It's like, oh, we'll wine him and dine him and schmooze him. Like, that's his entire method of getting a bank loan. Yeah, there, yeah. Is, that, there is that there's part of this movie where I'm like, why don't you just put a guarantee on the box? Wouldn't that solve so many things? I think Tommy makes a good point about the kind of people that put guarantees on boxes. <laughs> But they, I, so they, I've got. I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. And and tell me if I'm wrong. But I I think this is meaningful. Everyone on the factory floor genuinely likes Tommy. Absolutely. Like they're genuinely delighted to see him. So if he was like completely spoiled, completely worthless, can you imagine how much the people in that factory would resent him? Put yourself in their position. This I, idiot son of the their boss yeah. comes home. I, everything about that screams. Everyone at that place hates him. 
I, they all genuinely really like him. So a response to that would be, if you want, that is with the boss, the dude's dad, part of the tour. When the dad dies and everyone's around for that uh, carnival party and they mention Tommy's trying to save it, that one guy's like, that guy's an idiot. We're doomed. This is true. That's the same guy that clearly had a bone to pick with him and that everyone else dismisses earlier. That's the shipping guy, RT, the one yeah. whose daughter he lost his virginity to. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so I, he, he, I don't, I mean. I think Tommy. I think there's I think a difference. Tommy, I'm not saying that they, I'm not saying they think he's smart. I'm saying that he can't be like, there, there, there seems to be no resentment there except for from Richard. But Richard has other baggage to go along with, with Tommy oh, than just sure. the work the, stuff. The smug little man thing is 100% right on him. And, when someone calls him that. And in terms of like, oh, don't worry, we're leaving work early today. I mean, it is his first day home. I don't. I, it's not like that's a clearly an everyday thing. Like it's a special occasion. I <laughs> I, I have the less faith in that argument. Yeah, the other special one. occasion. <laughs> well, he's back home. He's back home. <laughs> we he's don't know. He, he didn't like husband. get in that day. Yeah, he did. He did get in that day. Oh, that's true. You're right. Um, no, I just think. Remember, like, he, remember, he took his bag off the plane. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's gar- another garbage bag. bag. I mean, I just think this is an interesting movie because what happens when a fail son is a super likable, nice person? Yeah, which that's is what, what Tommy is. He has emotional intelligence, um, and, which and, which every other fail son that we've looked at, uh, Harold maybe to some extent, he at least is like can connect with some people. Harmless. I'm not going to say it's the same thing, but but Tommy like clearly he's a people person. People like him. He knows how to read people. He knows how to to be friendly to them. The, no, most of our other subjects lack that. Yeah, I mean Tommy. Two good things about Tommy: uh, likable. He isn't macho. Uh, you have that moment when uh, Michelle, his, that girl, the, the the love interest, yells at those kids, and instead yeah. of like being like embarrassed by it or whatever, he kind of just thinks it was awesome. Like that's like that's a thing where a lot of guys would get really upset about. I had it. Like, under, I had it. Yeah. yeah, he and he tries to help and cares, and he like you know puts everything on the line that he has to help save the business. I do feel like there's an interesting thing about these movies. Um, we talked, Joe. You mentioned Batman Returns about like birthright and how this like idea of birthright being important. It is interesting watching these companies, especially this movie, where like the idea of birthright is so important to the company. Well, that is a family business. I think that. I mean this this movie is about. It's about the 90s, economy-wise, like just the last gasp of these factories trying to hang on in the Midwest. I and will say that it makes... While giant conglomerates would look to buy them up and shut them down to take their name. Like, it's a it's a good critique of, it, of capitalism, I think. I will say it does make much more sense to try to have uh, Callahan remain a family business. Like, the... <laughs> The Madison hotel. Hotels thing. Like, that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It's like, no one cares when you're in a hotel in Los Angeles. Oh, this is a family business. Hilton. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's true. I, it is just interesting how, like, right away we found out the, the business is in, t- in trouble. And uh, if they don't get the loan, they're going to they're gonna go out of business. I, and, I, like, when they, when they offer the idea of, like, well, you could merge with another company, it's like, no way we're merging. And it's like, well, going out of business isn't a better deal either, though, man. But he he's going to try. He, yeah, and he does. He pulls it off, uh, you know, at the wedding, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but two, two, two quick points. Uh, one, I, I do think to piggyback on what Joe said that this movie is a love letter to the Rust Belt and the Midwest. Yes. 
um because it's a lot of michigan wisconsin minnesota illinois yeah i mean it's all canada Uh, illinois and iowa yeah no i mean it's all like the same five locations just but yes then they then they send out the second unit to get the chippewa falls footage (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Um, but number two, is this the last time Ackroyd was funny? I was gonna meant to look that up and I forgot to, but I I, I think are. it probably was. Yeah. I, I I can't think of anything he's done in the twenty. He had made coneheads. He made coneheads like one or two years before this, which I yeah. stand for. Which coneheads. I <laughs> I strangely still hear the teens reference it once in a while, which is that's shocking wild to, me. to me. Maintain low tones. Maintain low tones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, something I, you've never done no i uh, uh it was I also, it was not too long after this that he reached his nadir with uh blues brothers 2000 oh it's a sore spot for duff at all times is he good in crow's point blank i've never seen that movie. oh actually he is but that's kind of a different i mean it's not like like outlandish snl it's more like dark humor but he is he is good in Gross Point Blank. That's a good movie. And he's fantastic in Pearl Harbor. <laughs> he has some weird cameos. Like I'm just quickly looking up his filmography while we talk. Wait, wait, you looked that up. Can I ask about the Beverly Paul dynamic uh, in this movie? The uh, <laughs> the Bo with Derek. Star- with uh, with uncredited Rob Lowe. In uncredited Rob Lowe. Um, I love. I actually kind of credit them for this. I love how their plan. And Joe, I think you would too knowing this what what they were going after here their plan is to go to fat camps and meet rich dudes and take their money yeah it's good <laughs> i didn't actually i didn't actually remember that they met at weight loss camp which apparently yeah. was unsuccessful for him yeah absolutely what happened also, to fat camp fat cap jokes i don't know uh, well do they, they, they're just called spas now i guess do huh? they do they still have fat camps or is no, it they're just, just called, they're just called wellness retreats no people aren't overweight anymore duff uh-huh. yeah they 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 banned custard, so now everyone's fine. <laughs> no one knew uh, what it was, anyways. But it's really fatty, apparently. I'm gonna go on record as saying that Heavyweights is a great movie. What? I, I have not seen Heavyweights. <laughs> Good or great? Good or great? Uh, well, I haven't seen it in like ten years, but it that's a movie about a fat camp. I think Ben Stiller is like an overzealous counselor. <laughs> I mean, the 18th time he's played that role. Yeah. yeah, but this is, is in the, this was in the '90s, so it was one of the first. <laughs> okay. Um, I have another question about Beverly and Paul. Did they kill Tommy's dad? No, no, because they, they make that comment we that they expected to have to wait him out for years. Yeah. Okay. This okay. was just good luck. Okay. All right. Did the um, do you think do you think that anyone who saw this in the theater under the age of like twenty twenty five got the Bo Derek ten joke? No. <laughs> the, <laughs> no. I only got it like recently. Yeah. I. It's something that I was kind of like aware of, I think. But yeah, that one probably went over a lot of kids' heads. I will say uh, about this movie, I the the second act of this movie, like let me just let me make it even easier. Any time that Richard and Tommy are together is a plus. It's so funny. Yeah, I love every moment of it. Uh, this movie is definitely, and oddly enough, like watching it back to back to Billy Madison is interesting because I feel like what Billy Madison does well, Tommy Boy doesn't, but what Tommy Boy does well, Billy Madison doesn't, right? Like I feel like, you know, Tommy Boy, the best part about Tommy Boy is like the leads. Like it's so funny watching them. And like the best part about Billy Madison is how like all the side characters are so funny. Um, And like my one of my favorite things about Billy Madison, oddly enough, is the 
the ending because it's just so bizarre. Whereas like Tommy Boy has, and maybe you guys disagree with me, but like every time I watch this movie, I totally forget about the ending of this movie. Like the whole flare thing and like the live TV news thing. Like I, it huh. real to me, it really drags in the the last act. Yeah, the last. I, act? I think it depends on whether you think like how funny you think Dan Aykroyd is, and and it's hard. Yeah, to like. When you watch this in 1995, Dan Aykroyd hadn't totally fallen apart. Sure. So you're still, like, <laughs> excited to, like, see him, you know? Yeah. And now, like, I can't... And I, I love this movie. It's maybe my second favorite... Movie of all one time. Of, maybe, <laughs> it's my second... Maybe my second or third favorite, like, just pure comedy, just, sil- like, silly movie. Okay. And I, I love it. And and I, I agree with you to some extent. Like, it, it does... That is the worst part. Yeah. But Dan Aykroyd is, is really funny in it. And and after it, when he Rob Lowe runs away, like all that stuff is pretty funny too. The the weird thing about the Rob Lowe, uh, the whole subplot, I feel like this movie doesn't really need at all. Like I feel like this movie's victory is like them on the road and them making sales and stuff. Like this movie could be as simple as just like you could almost structure it so that you don't need um, Bo Derek and Rob Lowe and just no. make make uh, Dan Aykroyd the main villain. Which yeah. I arguably Actually, would, think would be better. I was going to say arguably better. You would lose the Rob Lowe scene where he gets his shirt sucked up the tube, and that makes me laugh a lot. So, But you'd also lose the like peeing scene and some other like not great Rob Lowe And moments. just like <laughs> Rob Lowe getting chased by a dog, which is kind of out of nowhere and not needed. <laughs> um, I don't mind But it. I... It's it's uh, but everything like you know rewatches we the part that made me laugh the most maybe was uh, and also underrated in this is David Spade who is very good in this movie uh, yeah. is that moment where they're about to go in for like you know to do a sales pitch and Tommy's like ah, do I look fat in this suit does this suit make me look fat <laughs> this suit yeah. does this suit make me look fat and Richard's like no your face does <laughs> so, I, so I read this oral history of this movie. And that okay, was one, yeah. of, one of the many parts that, um, like, either the director or someone on set just overheard David Spade say that to Chris Farley. <laughs> just, they were just talking and he just said it. And they're like, oh, my God, we have to use that in the movie. So there's tons of stuff in this movie that's just, like, somebody overheard David Spade and Chris Farley goofing around off off the set or, like, in between takes or something. And then they just added it to the movie. Because they basically had, like, a 66-page script and just had to make everything up as they were going along in this movie while they were filming like i think four days a week because chris farley because they were behind schedule so they had to film it while chris farley and david spade were still on snl oh okay so chris farley and 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 david spade would fly to toronto for two days then fly back to new york do two days of rehearsal for saturday night live then fly back to toronto for a day or two to film again then fly back to snl to do the show then on Sunday, fly back and shoot again, and it just that just kept going. And I would say that that kind of thing is probably why, partly why Chris Farley's dead. Like I think part of, and I never really did watch the documentaries about him or anything because it just makes me too sad. But it reminds me a little bit of like the stories that John Hughes talked about John Candy, and how John Hughes just blames like the movie industry for him dying because they just worked him to death. Hmm. Which I would say to John Hughes like, well. He was in a lot of your movies, dude. So, yeah, <laughs> aren't you partly to blame then? I mean, but, I, um, but I, I just, I'm not. Obviously, addiction is why he's dead. But I just wonder, like, how much that lifestyle has to do with it. A lot of it was he intentionally 
set his career path out to be like John Belushi, yeah. even, even though a bunch of people kept reminding him what happened to John Belushi. Yeah, and I, I'm just saying, and then, like, that's got to that's gotta be so hard. I, oh, I mean, sure. I, yeah, I mean, it is definitely hard, and uh, addiction and weight issues. One thing I was going to say is, you know, even looking look at him in this movie and then look at him if you look up pictures from the last time he hosted snl he was way heavier in 1997 like right before he died God, he, it's only two years isn't it between yeah these two. probably like, three years in filming but. but look up just look up what he looked like around beverly hills ninja that era and he he looked awful and it, he was i mean some of it i i'm not discounting what you said about the the drive for you know to be doing snl and to be doing movies and all that and it kind of segues into one thing that i don't think this is new territory but it's it's just so tragic because he would just do anything to be liked and i think that more tied into it he's like oh yeah i'll do this movie i'll do snl i'll do anything i'll do i mean there's all types of stories about him just kind of humiliating himself and for laughs yeah and it's really kind of a paradox because he would say that he was really self-conscious about being that people were laughing at him because fatty fall down but then he did a lot of fatty fall down so and i don't think it's all fatty fall down but it's <laughs> yeah it, i think in this no, movie it's not, this movie's not much of it i would argue this, yeah, there's not, a I mean, few moments but most of it is um it's it just his chemistry with david Sp- like he's just so so funny the, I think the biggest two biggest reasons this works are this Chris Farley has a natural sweetness to him that yeah. we did not see with Adam Sandler. And then it's your classic uh, buffoon straight man routine. And yeah. it and works. It's a, and got it, a huge heart. This movie has like a like a I mean, I feel like oh, my yeah. family, we always watch it around like Thanksgiving with like some like my, my aunt and like it's just because it's a it's actually a really good Thanksgiving movie. Like there's some it I is. Don't know. It's weird to think that this and Billy Madison, both of them are PG-13, but Billy Madison, like if someone were going to like even if I had a, a 13 year old, I'd be like, oh, oh, yeah. Billy Madison, that's uh, that just feels too mean. But like, yeah, this one, this feels almost like a family movie. I mean, I think yeah. it is a family movie. Yeah, I think so, too. And, um, and partly why it isn't so mean is because that the buffoon like person being laughed at in their partnership, it switches sometimes. Like, yeah. Tommy isn't the butt of jokes the entire movie. Like that dynamic shifts back and forth, whether it's uh, t- uh, David Spade's hair thing or when he gets caught <laughs> at the window masturbating. Yeah. Okay. Or his so um, the map, uh, him trying to get the map, him trying to get is. the map. Like he isn't yeah. just like perfect the whole no. movie and then having to deal with Tommy like Tommy gets them out of a lot of jams and I also think that it's just a couple lines but David yes. Spade talking about how he didn't have a father and that he busted his hump and Chris Far or Tommy took his dad for granted which may or may not be true but I think that that one scene really gives you a lot to to build endearing feelings for Richard that moment's huge. I mean, yeah. you know, A, he, he gives Tommy credit, and, like, Richard's one of those guys that, like, if he's giving you credit, like, you earned it. You know, he's not going to tell you if you didn't do a good job. And then you also have, you know, the backstory, but he also, you know, has that moment of, like, you know, you've earned a friend, too, and I know you have a lot, but I don't. Like, that's a really sweet moment. Yeah. So I thought that this this movie, when I first thought of us including it, was about how 
this was one of the only movies I could think of with a fail son where there's redemption for him. Mm-hmm. And then by the earned, end of this movie, earned redemption, or earned, yeah, not just redemption, but earned redemption. Like I don't think Billy Madison's redemption is really earned. No. And here's what I would, I would it's, like. It's I, redemption by the letter of the law, but yeah, it's just kind of a. I mean, I think we'd all agree that the, and this is a reason why I like Tommy Boy more, which I think we all do, is that Billy oh, Madison. Yeah, not even close. But Billy Madison yeah. is a lazy movie, and Tommy Boy is not. And I think yeah. that the key to what sums up why Tommy Boy's redemption is real and Billy Madison's isn't can be summed up in one scene from each movie with Tommy's. It's the, his speech that he gives at the end of the factory where he has kind of triumphed and he saved the company. And I think it's sells it. He says it. And I, and I sincerely believe it that you can tell the thing that he cares about the most is that all of these people will be able to keep their jobs. And it seems like that's the absolute most important thing to him is that all of those people still have livelihoods. And so he has kind of learned a lesson and he's changed and he and he went through this hard work and and he, what he sees as the reward is not that he won but that these people are saved. Yeah. Now, and the town that, by proxy. Yeah, and I think that the the flip side of that is Billy Madison he does something good I guess in that movie that someone else puts him up to which is to call kids that he bullied. Yeah. And at the end, the bullied kid comes back and he saves him by shooting a guy in the ass. <laughs> and and Billy looks up and he says, boy, I'm glad I called that guy. Yeah. And so Billy is, his the lesson he pulls from it, I think, is that I'm, glad that I, that I'm glad I did that because it helped me. And yeah. I think like just, it's kind of funny. And it, I mean, that movie, we're already putting way more thought into it than anyone involved in it put into it but t- tommy is maybe the only character we're going to talk about where i'd say he's he's not a fail son anymore by the end of the movie he's a man standing on his own he is he, he is not he's now a large adult son it's it's <laughs> kind of why uh you know it sounds crass but i actually still think that's true like his dad dying is so important it doesn't happen otherwise i mean you even have when he finishes college after seven years the guy's like what are you gonna do and he's like i don't know just go home and work for my dad i guess you know what i mean like he needs he needs to have a reason to be on his own. He's never had that. His dad's always done everything for him. Yeah. And I, and I think so, I agree with you that that's the big catalyst. And Richard obviously, you know, is a helpful. Although I will say the one thing that's interesting about Richard is he like is constantly telling Tommy like how you're supposed to sell and the right way to do it. But Richard's totally incapable of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't follow any of his own rules it's because he doesn't have people skills. Yeah. I will say... Uh, Which I identify with. <laughs> <laughs> Some fun facts from this movie I looked up. One, this one's mostly for you, Joe. Uh, John Gruden is from Sandusky, Ohio as well. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yep. the, the, uh, the, I don't have much more to add. It's just nope. I believe it very much. I've been yes. to Sandusky, and I definitely believe that he is from there. Uh, alternate titles for Tommy Boy. And I think we're going to agree that they chose the right title. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I read this, too. It's, it's okay. a really bad title. Uh, Billy the Third, a Midwestern. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> it's it's kind of good, actually. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, here's two more. One, Fat Chance. Mm, bad. No. There's that's, a lot very, of, that's a very like, 80s fat boy comedy kind of title. Yep. That's fat and then, Fall Down. And then XL. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> which is another one. Are, also, were, like, were, were these like actual titles considered, or is this just you know sometimes movie studios will use aliases for production so that people don't pound them? I think them? this was actual titles. I don't think this is a the movie. Ed, that they the Ed like. Midwestern one was was real. Okay. Yeah, but they they knew they didn't really want to keep it, but they it took them a long time to think of something better. Uh, my other fun fact is how many years difference think there is between Bo Derek and Rob Lowe because they have this like mother daughter slash uh, I'm, I guess 10 I'm, I'm gonna guess 15 to 20 7 really yeah well Rob Lowe has that anti-aging Paul Rudd serum mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he does so yeah Tommy Boy and Billy Madison it was it was fun to revisit these uh Tommy Boy like I said it's still a heartwarming and like the every everything with Spade and Farley is hilarious. Real quick, David Spade. Weird, right? That guy's like kind of the Leonardo DiCaprio of the comedy world when it comes to ladies. Uh, How's that? He is. Yeah, he's been with um, Heather Locklear, Terry Hatcher. He's got a child with a former Playboy playmate. There's other people. Julia Bowen, Naya Rivera. I guess I didn't know anything about his personal life. I just know that his professional projects become worse and worse. And obviously, you know, his sister-in-law is Kate Spade. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot so, about that. That was the last time I think I heard about him in the news. Yeah, so it's weird. I always, weird career. I always think it's funny how he used to do that Hollywood Minute on SNL, and basically yeah. he made fun of people who probably didn't even do as much bad stuff as he does now. It is, it is like one of those things where like... yeah. Early David Spade stuff, like this movie, as I said earlier, like he's very funny in this movie, and it's too bad because it's not cool to say that because he's like been so bad for so long. Um, but like when he was good, David Spade's really funny. Emperor's New Groove is good. Emperor's New Groove is a super underrated Disney movie. Well, it's just hard um, to hang on in comedy for very long. Yeah, that's like, true too. I mean, it's how better many, to die? How many, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many Saturday Night Live alums have a lo- bigger? Uh, a, a career that you can respect that spans more than like seven or eight years. It's like Steve Martin. And, it's like Steve Martin and Bill oh, Murray. No, you can't. You can't say anything good about Steve Martin, Rob. That's true. Shut I, your I, mouth. I strike it. I strike it. He, he plays a banjo. He plays a banjo. No, He's out. That's, let's not. No. Uh, I'm not getting into it. I, guess, I would say Will Ferrell. Yeah. Will Ferrell and, and Bill Hader. I'm confident will be. Will be I'll say Bill Murray, that. but that's really Bill just because he got lucky and met Wes Anderson. <laughs> Like well, probably... he did good stuff with other people too. Yeah, but he like Bill Murray in like mid nineties, like right before Rushmore, and even yeah. at like there was that movie he did with the elephant that he won. Yeah, I know he was in a rough patch, but he's continued to be good. And he was, and that was more than ten years after he started, anyways. Yeah, I mean, he made Groundhog Day only a few years before that rough patch. So I would say uh, that th- there's there's only a handful, so it's kind of hard to stay funny, but some people manage to do it. Uh, Dewey Lewis Dreyfus, I guess. Yep. Yeah. I, and I would Technically say. Technically an SNL alum. Yep. Uh, Rob, you like your casting rumors, I know? Oh, yes, I do. Let's hear them. You know who was supposed to play Rob Lowe's, or who auditioned to play Rob Lowe's character, right? Hmm. I don't. Matthew McConaughey auditioned for that role. I feel like Matthew huh. McConaughey auditioned for everything in the early 90s. There's so many stories where it's like, and Matthew McConaughey was considered. But it's before Matthew McConaughey was really famous, and he would have just automatically have been considered. Yeah. So so he, yeah, Rob Lowe, like, they 
thought he was in, but it was like in limbo for a really, really long time. So they were auditioning other people just in case. Huh, interesting. Rob Lowe, yeah, he had good luck with SNL movies in the 90s. SNL-related movies, I guess. Well, any any like final thoughts on Billy Madison, Tommy Boy? I just, when I was going back to these, it really drives home for me that I, I think you'll agree with me to some extent that comedy, number one, is the most subjective of tastes for movies. Oh, yeah. And, and num- it's incredibly important, the context in which you first experience Yes, it. timing yeah. is everything. And, yeah, and it's just there's so many things where if you missed it, you you can't get it. Like, I always, you know, people say like, oh, the, like, the Marx Brothers are universal and they're timeless. And I'll watch it. And I'm like, I, I feel bad. I feel like this should be funny. Or mm-hmm. I'll watch uh, Some Like It Hot, which always tops or comes in near the top of those best comedies ever and like there are parts that are good but just I don't know what it is I don't know why why does comedy as a genre become so tied to number one your personality and whether you experienced it when it was fairly fresh I mean I think it's I think it goes like timing like you know if seeing this movie when I was like 12 both no, but Billy I'm Madison but I'm huge. saying, you know, there are a lot of movies that I didn't obviously see because number one I couldn't, but like I'll see them like, you know, in the horror or sci-fi or something, and even if the effects are dated or it's a little cheesy, like I'll still watch them, and I'll love them. But it's really hard to do that with comedies past, I'll say like before 1970. Like it, yeah. think of think of comedies before 1970 that are legitimately funny to you and for me there's you know dr strangelove and then there's i'm struggling even off the top of my head and that doesn't mean that i'm saying there weren't any great comedies i'm just they don't connect the same way like you it's almost on intellectual level you will recognize like oh this is hilarious for the day but it's not doing it for me now I mean, changing social mores doesn't do with that too. I'm sure, you know. But again, but again, like back to my point, like I think you can find almost any other genre, and you can still, on an on an emotional level, you can find things from before 1970, and you'll still enjoy them as you know as much, like, you know, uh, something like a science fiction movie or a monster movie if they're well done. And I'm not obviously I'm I'm painting in uh, wide strokes here. Yeah, I just think it goes back to, you know, just like timing both in joke delivery, but also when you see a movie and when it comes out, like means a lot, too. I, I just I don't know. I I, I think that all the time because I always wonder, like, why aren't comedies as dumb as they were when we were kids and how much we loved them? And it might just be because I'm not watching those shows. I'm not watching those movies because they're not aimed towards me. And I'm not even seeing these movies that like a 15 year old now is going crazy about that. I would have if I was 15. Cause not like it's not like Billy Madison, Tommy Boy were hits, you know, when they came uh, out. I mean, they were like mild, like yeah, successes. But yeah, not. I didn't look at the box office, but I'm sure they weren't top five of the year. No, they're both like between like twenty and thirty five million a year. Tommy I Boy mean, was it was a home video thing. Like it's it's one of the ten best selling Paramount films ever. Well, and video. the way I saw both of them, they were huge on cable, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. that's how I saw them. Uh, somewhat related to these movies, guys. I have a fail son tale. 
if you want to hear it. I don't know if I've told you guys this one before. Would does you, it involve we have time for that? Does it involve your weird drifter aunt or your cousin? <laughs> no. <laughs> does this it involve you finding the family gun? No, it one does involve uh, nudie magazines though. So oh, which, no. <laughs> which woods did you find them in? Were they uh, your dad's? So uh, when I was a kid, uh, I remember I uh, went out to the garage and I was looking for something. I was probably like ten. I don't know. Uh, and I was looking for something in this toolbox. And I opened up this drawer in this toolbox, and there it was a Playboy like mini calendar from <laughs> ni- from 1985, like the kind of one like as a mechanic would just have, which my dad used to be like a mechanic would just have magnetized on the side of that, right? Not very big, sure. And I saw it and looked through it. Uh, and I was like still pretty young, so like I didn't know what to, like how to feel about any of this. Can we and stop that, right there for a second and yep, think about was, how bizarre that whole thing was? That era where like dudes would just have like naked women or women in bikinis just hanging up in their workspace, like, in their blue collar workspace, you know, the garage weird. or whatever. And that was just Super an accept. Weird. That was an accepted mechanic thing. It's like, oh, yeah. there's there's just a poster of a nude woman up. Where, yeah. are you where did that come guys. from? Like where where what guys what, being guys? You like beer? On? I like beer. <laughs> what 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 is lurking inside the male mind of that period that compels them to do that? Is it just like because they can? And is it just one last assertion that this is a male space? Yeah, I, I was gonna say rejection of the women's movement. Yeah, and because you, know, you can, because you can, no one's gonna say anything about it. Because there's very few women who work in garages, if any, at that time. I mean, yeah, so by and large. It's just, so it's like it's like territorial pissing in some ways. So uh, I see this, and I, of course, you know, later on showed it to my friend. I was like, "Dude, look at this! I'm coming here, and I show you." And we look at it, and then I did the math, guys. <laughs> I did the math, and I was like, oh, "Wait a minute, no. this was." 1985. I, I remember born. this story. This I is was you born. at your absolute worst. <laughs> what type of nerd finds a nudie magazine and brings math into it? Well, I was like 1985. I was born in 83. My parents were made in 82. In my head, my Catholic broken head at the time, I was like, that's cheating. <laughs> you idiot. So. Wait. You, da- you, you said your da- you thought your dad was cheating because he had this? Yes. Yes. So you know what I did? You confronted him? No. Worse. Oh, I wish you would have. Worse. I know I know what he did. Did you burn it? I cut it up and buried it in the ground. Oh. <laughs> he buried it, idiot. And, and I never I never told him. So I think back now and I just wonder if my dad at one point was like, Oh my god, this kid is a nightmare. I just gotta escape in my garage for a little reprieve. And he goes to the garage Where's and he my looks porno? in there and it's gone and he's got like two thoughts was he thinking. Like one did, did my wife find this? <laughs> right? Like, did, am I in trouble? I was going to say, and, was it a really awkward dinner where you just giving each other like a good, the bad, and the ugly, like stare down at that I meal? I have no idea. It never so, came up. did you find that crescent, crescent wrench I asked you to yeah. find? <laughs> yeah, Dad, I buried it. Rob, um, you've you been, you been using the tools, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was probably, you know, weeks to days weeks probably until he realized it was missing probably was like did i misplace this is this out there somewhere did someone take it did like i'm sure the last thing he thought was his like i mean he you know I, his listen, chud kid yeah he's, i'm sure he's like that kid wouldn't do anything with it <laughs> he, so yeah 
Uh, that's definitely like that. He what, absolutely think be. he absolutely thought that you took it and kept it. That's yeah. what he thought. Instead, I buried it. He's just like, <laughs> he was pro- yeah. he was probably proud. Like, oh, thank God, thought the thought the boy was gay. And then six years later, the Playboy tree grew in her yard, and I just got free issues every month. <laughs> just picked them off the vines. I I, I was gonna say, I Rob, will you pick the tree? The neighbors are starting to look. <laughs> First of all, I. I'm, every month, every month, a different woman grew from the tree. Yeah, we just this November's it, ripe now. Yeah, we just called it the beaver tree. Oh, <laughs> we had a good thing going, and you good. just ruined it. Ooh, good crop this year. <laughs> so, okay, Rob, the peach tree, tend it. <laughs> so, first of all, I. I want to say how your dad must have been really disappointed because how old were you, roughly? Yeah, you could just stop the story right there. Your dad yeah. must have been really disappointed, period. So probably, probably like, I mean, I can't imagine, a 10, 10-ish, I so would this, think, like this, so 9 this, and 11. So this would have been the early, mid-90s at most? Yeah, this right probably would have the time been, this movie came yeah. out. So your, so your dad had, he didn't have, now, he only had one of these, right? So there was something special about this issue. That he had hung on to. Well, it was it, it, it was it was a calendar. Maybe. Well, yeah, it was a calendar. Right, but it was from yeah. 1985, and let's just say yes. you found this in 1992 or three. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> your dad had saved this for <laughs> going on five to ten years. There was something special about it. That's po- that's possible. It's also what kind of tools were in that drawer? Because it might have just been a drawer he hadn't opened in a long time. No, I like was it like a drunk drawer with just no, like spare I like, bolts and stuff. I like my theory better that there was some sentimental attachment to this 1985 nudie calendar, and his dumbass son doesn't know doesn't know what to do with the the organs God gave him. Comes out to the garage, and. Whereas any other red-blooded American boy in the 90s would have, you know, t- stole immediately stolen it, stolen it and put it under their mattress. Uh-huh. Rob uh-huh. goes out and buries it for it to become some like porn go- golem. And then <laughs> I ripped it up. I ripped it up and buried it. Oh yep. my God. So did, now I'm just. Did in- your friend know you did this? That you showed it to? Well, I think he grew up Catholic too, so we were both broken. Uh, oh my God. First of all, I've known lots of Catholics who would have kept that. <laughs> uh, me. Yeah. Well. Listen. So also like I'm envisioning like some pet cemetery situation where like <laughs> it comes back but it's not the same. Just some weird twisted version of it follows. Yeah. It just, just shows up back un- unharmed inside the uh inside the tool sh- the tool drawer, but this time they're all corpses. Kids oh, to this day, God. kids to this day have to print off pornography in Spooner and bury it, or they'll be haunted by that, <laughs> by like the Calendar Girls from 1985. I'm also envisioning that uh, when Rob's dad was leaving this earth, like Rob and his dad having this like heart, like Magnolia esque scene of <laughs> yeah. of like your dad's in his the hospital bed and he reaches out to you with his one hand and he says, "Boy." I knew, question. I knew it was you. <laughs> you took my 1985 calendar. <laughs> Rob starts sobbing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy. <laughs> it's like, it's, I, he's just slamming his fists together like Tom Cruise, rocking back and forth in tears, <laughs> screaming at his father for cheating on his mom with the calendar. <laughs> yep. 
I, that's the one I was saving. A few episodes ago, I teased it. Uh, I had one I'll save. Is this what is, is this it. what you shared on the Austin Powers minute? It is. I did. I did share it on another podcast. Yeah. Oh. You cheated no. on us. You cheated yeah. on us. <laughs> Bur- I'm burying you. I'm. Bur- Do you remember where you buried it? Uh. Yeah. More about. Yeah. I. I. I well. Probably <laughs> nothing, within like ten feet. Within nothing, ten feet. Nothing grows there now. It's just like. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's as if the earth was salted. There's one small circle in a cornfield in Spooner right now, and they just cannot figure it out. This uh, ground, this ground is cursed. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else uh, before we? Uh, what, what's our next movie, Joe? Oh, uh, is- hey, hold on there, Chief. Oh, Why does I'm this sorry. ground taste so salty? <laughs> uh, we're already in kind of a dark place, so why don't we just get a little darker? Oh yeah. no, tales from the dark web. So we're starting off with something that is not very dark web, but it's very entertaining. It's uh, from a, a AV club, Random Rolls with Brian Dennehy, where he talks yeah, about... Okay. Where He's he talks, awesome in this movie. Where Brian he talks, Dennehy rules. Where he talks about Tommy Boy. And it's great because... Uh, Brian Dennehy talks about numerous things as if he's the first person to ever have an idea about them. Like, <laughs> so they ask him, what do you remember about working with Chris Farley? He was a great guy. Sweet, sweet guy. Comes from a great family. A perfect example of a guy who had everything. Tremendous talent. Wonderful, sweet guy to work with. He had a lot of respect for me because of what I had done, and we hit it off great. David Spade was on the picture as well. <laughs> the two of them were very close. And then he goes on to say how... Uh, Farley had weaknesses. Obviously, the weight was a problem. He had a profound relationship with John Belushi, who was dead, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Dennehy, just as if people were not aware of John Belushi and what happened to him. Um, but then my favorite part of this is just it's this kind of like uh, old man unintentional racism. where <laughs> He says he talks about. And then we had the contest where we both sing the rock and roll song. I got up to sing, and then he got up to sing. And, of course, he was the star, so they asked him, you want to go first? I can't remember where we were. We were at a party, I guess. That's what it was. Some type of party. And we sang that old, who's the blind singer? The famous blind black singer. <laughs> and then the interview says, Ray Charles? He says, we did this Ray Charles number. <laughs> it's funny that it could have been two. The, I mean, it's true. 50% chance. <laughs> yeah. Getting it right. Uh, so it, I won't read the full thing, but if you, people want to read it, there's a good overview with Brian Denny. He, he of course, talks about Rambo, which is mm-hmm. uh, our first yeah. blood. Um, so and the other thing I had was uh, a little Roger Ebert poll quote about mm. Tommy Boy. He was not yeah, a fan. not a fan. No. He's, he says, no one is funny in Tommy Boy. There are what? there are no memorable lines. None of the characters is interesting except for the enigmatic figure played by Rob Lowe, who seems to have, who seems to have wandered over from Hamlet. Judging <laughs> what? I this must yeah. have been during one of uh, Roger Ebert's relapses. What's he talking about? <laughs> Judging by the evidence on the screen, the movie got a green light before a usable screen pay, screenplay had been prepared. Well, that that might be true. <laughs> that it's definitely yeah. uh, true. With yeah. everybody reassuring each other that since they were such funny people, inspiration would overcome them. To be fair, that's how like every comedy in the last 10 years has been made. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I would say the last like 35 years has been made. I, but especially since uh, Judd Apatow's rise. Where, yeah, 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 I know what you mean. But, uh, yeah. So, 
And then he closes where he says, it was Forrest Gump, I believe, who said, funny is as funny does. Uh, oh, man. So this was Dude. a one-star review from Roger Ebert. Uh, well, no one's perfect. No. No. Uh, yeah, I think that's famously, famously that was like a review of a movie he hated. Yeah. <clears throat> it. I don't know if it was one of his most hated, but it, yeah. So the last thing I have, and this is where we get into the, the deep, dank web content. Yes. Uh, Tales found, I uh, I found a little fan fiction. Oh no! Yes. Oh no! Uh, oh, I was hoping I I was gonna make a joke earlier that if they had fanfic, and I was like, "There's no way." So it is titled Mister Penguin. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's another funny part for Billy Madison at the end when they're all making out. Yes. Yeah. The and then Chris Farley's face when the flipper starts stroking him. Yes. So I won't. This is very short, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. So the premise is that uh, it is Billy's first day of college and he wakes up and he's um, it's his room and the penguin is there. Uh, So I'll just say so Billy quickly backed away from the penguin with a terrified look in his scruffy face. Please, Mr. Penguin, I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I'll give you my nudie mag. The penguin slapped his flipper over his buzzing mouth, and the room became silent. The, pe- the penguin started caressing Billy with his smooth, big flippers. <laughs> Mr. Penguin, I'm, I already got a girl. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. The penguin appeared to be getting aroused. Billy, oh, no. Billy could oh. see his penis grow bigger and bigger. Come on. Oh, stop my God. It. He's, stop it. <laughs> He stared at it a moment and then quick, an ice quickly looked away. Mr. Penguin, I'm flattered, but I don't. I. <laughs> the penguin came up closer, his beak touching his mouth. He opened it and they shared a passionate kiss. Billy and the penguin caressed each other as they both made love. The penguin moved his tongue across Billy's mouth. They started Aww. to moan, and Billy took off his brief, exposing his penis. It was average size, but it was tiny compared to the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that oh my god. Um go on. Uh well yeah, that's about maybe wow. two maybe a third of the way through. Wow, uh, no more. I, I won't skip well, to the end. Skip uh, to the I'll, end. I'll just kinda read some some great lines. Uh oh. the penguin reached down to his penis. He slowly <laughs> he, he slowly opened his mouth and wrapped it around him. No! The shape of his mouth fit perfectly. How does it pay? No, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the who is the giver? The, I I don't. I, I think keep reading. Uh, the penguin can't wrap its lips around anything. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't even know. Do penguins have lips? I don't. No, think. they have beaks. Okay. <laughs> they don't have uh, lips. Uh. So the cum. Someone the draw us a penguin with lips and send it in, please. Uh, the cum, Someone illustrate this story. The cum squirted all over the penguin's oh, mouth. Jesus Christ, uh, Billy wrapped his hands. <laughs> Billy wrapped his hands around and rubbed it up and down as he sucked it. He loved. He loved how it tasted Jesus. and how it felt. I'm reading this. Stop. <laughs> Uh, so I'll read the last. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll read the last two lines. It said, "The penguin cleaned it all up, and he gave Billy a taste of his." No. The penguin simply. 
I'm gonna die. The penguin simply walked out of his room. Billy lied there. He didn't want to be with Veronica anymore. <laughs> God. Where did you Where did you find that? Oh my god. <laughs> are there any comments? Oh, I didn't even look to see if there are comments. No. Oh, man. That was an ice story. Oh, that was uh that was by Stinky Bear 010. Oh god, Stinky Bear. It oh, ha- we can write a review. Okay. 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 It only, All right. it only, it, it only has one fave. Okay. Why is it under movies, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Bogus Journey? Well, if you paid attention to the title, it says in all caps, sorry isn't right category. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I, and then the subtitle is, I have to post in here because there's no Billy Madison category. Yes. <sighs> Joe, what's our next movie? <laughs> next week, we dip into a new genre for us with 1976, The Omen, where we look at the apocalyptic fail son. So... Uh, find something to hold tight, dim the lights, and uh, jump into some scary stuff with us next week. Rob, go over all the social media nonsense. Yeah, they can go to afreepodcast.com. They can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at a free podcast. They can join our listener group, the Freeloaders. Find that at uh, afreepodcast.com slash freeloaders. And you can write and review us on iTunes. I appreciate that. And we'll be back next week. (laughs) 